great future. We're talking real money. Well, let's see. I think we're back to uh, some semblance of normalcy, although this is being created during the week between Thanksgiving and Christmas of 2023, which being a holiday period makes normalcy still a little bit difficult. Hi, I'm Scrooge McDonald. No, I'm sorry. I'm Don McDonald. <laughs> I do. I get a little Scrooge's this time of year because it really does feel like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that's just one big long holiday. I just feel like stuff doesn't get done, that the world kind of takes a month off. Kind of like we're starting to do in the summers in America. We're, we're just like taking tons of time off. Uh, but I'm not. I'm here and I'm going to answer your questions because that's what I love to do. It's the thing I like best about my job is answering the questions that you send in to us at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. I take the ones that you've recorded using your phone mic or your computer mic or a good mic like some of you have done, even a, a, you know an inexpensive, decent mic. Like somebody did a recent call on a, on a blue snowball, which sounded much better than the run-of-the-mill mic. So, uh, yeah, send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com, and then every Friday I'm going to answer a few of them like I'm going to do right now. Good afternoon, Don and Tom. I've been listening to your podcast for quite a while, and through that, I found out about the work of Paul Merriman. I'm currently trying to set up a legacy for our grandchildren, as Paul mentions in his podcast and on his site. I've actually got a couple of taxable brokerage accounts that we've set up, and I'm just about to fund them when last week I heard on Talking Real Money podcast that a 529 account can be converted into a Roth IRA for the same named beneficiaries. So this was quite a new concept or a different take on that same strategy, and it seems like a no-brainer. Why wouldn't anybody or everybody do this for the express purposes of funding a retirement account for their kids or, or grandkids? Um, our grandkids already have a 529 that's funded by us, the grandparents, and funded by their parents. So I'm thinking of opening a third 529 with the express purpose of converting to a Roth IRA when these grandkids of ours have some earned income. So tell me what you think about that plan. Are there any problems or illegalities <laughs> to having a, a plan to expressly use 529 money as a funding source for a Roth IRA. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. Well, as you so aptly stated, it seems like a no-brainer. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a no-brainer. It is a wonderful way to leave a powerful legacy without actually spending a lot of money. Because if you do it for kids young enough and you let that money grow while they're young, uh, it doesn't take a lot to get to that $35,000 limit, which is the maximum amount you can put into a Roth IRA. You have to put it in over a period of time while they have earned income because you can't exceed the limits. But think about this for a minute. If you've got a kid who at 18 years old is earning some income, then they're eligible 
And if they put that $35,000 in, uh, well, let's, we don't know what the limits will be, but if they have that 35000 in just from, even from age 20, let's say it's at age 20, they got the whole 35000 in there and it earns, well, let's use 7% a year because that's below what the historic return of the stock market has been. And I think kids can afford to be aggressive. So let's say 7% per year. And that's all that ever gets put in to that Roth IRA. If they do that until they're age 70, it should grow to more than a million dollars. More than a million dollars. Now, that's a legacy. Now, if you do some of the things Paul talked about, I mean, Paul's talking about investments that have historically exceeded 10% per year. But now, please don't get it in your head that that's a reasonable expectation going forward because we don't know what a reasonable expectation is going forward. But at 10%, hypothetically, we're talking eh, 50 years, a mere $5 million. So, yeah, is it a good idea? Absolutely, sir. Absolutely, I would suggest you do it. Uh, it gives them more money for school if that's needed. But if they don't use it all for school, <laughs> in some cases, you know, maybe it's better they don't go to school with this money because it's going to do potentially so much for them in their retirement. Well, I like it. I love the idea. And you can send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. I really, truly appreciate you doing it. And let's take this one. Hi, Don and Tom. I just received an offer from Vanguard for a Cash Plus account. I was just about to move my money into a bread bank. And then I just got this email. And uh, it looks like it's um, they're treating it like an online bank where you uh, don't get checks or anything. But they're starting it off with uh, APY of 4.7%. And I'm thinking it might be a good place for um, safe money. And I could get the brokered CDs also there. Right now I have my money in Pentagon Federal. But, all, but the CDs and this new... Vanguard Cash Plus account has higher uh, higher rates. So uh, let me know what you think. Thank you. Well, 4.7% is a very good rate. It really is. I mean, looking at bankrate.com, the high yield savings rates have slipped a bit of late. Uh, the best I could find is 5.1% at someplace called BMO, BMO Alto. I've never heard of them. Or, oh, I take that back. Everbank had a 5.15, but you're so close. You're so close. You're above Capital One's rates. You're above uh, Amex, which is usually high on their rate. Um, it's And you're already dealing with them. I don't see any reason in the world why you shouldn't use it. It is a very, very, very safe account and a good way to, to keep cash. It's a great way to keep cash. Don't think of it as an investment vehicle because it's not. It's a place to keep your emergency money or money that's going to be used for some other purpose in the not too distant future. So all for it. I think it's fine. Thanks so much for calling and listening. And now we have an apparent addendum to the <laughs> to this call, to this question from just now, before, here. Oh, and I also forgot to mention that Bread, uh, Bread Bank has some scathing reviews on Reddit and at various uh, online sites. I was wondering what Don's experience with them has been so far. 
Well, all I can tell you is I'm getting a better than 5% yield on my savings, and the interest is being posted to my account regularly. And uh, I think the complaint may be related to their customer service because they're a bare-bones bank. This is the former Comenity Bank. They're a big consumer lender. Uh, and uh, they're, they're not, you know, they, they don't have a branch. <laughs> they, this is why they can pay so much. Uh, and they, you have to text or email customer service and it can take a little while for them to respond. But you see, I'm not there expecting great customer service. That's why I'm at Bank of America where they don't pay anything. So I get great service at Bank of America. I do. I got a lot of services. They, they have great bill pay stuff. They, I always get treated well, but they pay 0.01 to 0.04% on savings. I'm getting 5.0 or 5.1, I think now, somewhere around there, 5.15 on my savings. My expectations for customer service are commensurately low. I just want that extra money. I don't care. As long as it's FDIC insured, I'm good. So I don't, I see some good reviews. I see some terrible ones. Nerd Wallet has good reviews. I, I don't know, but I don't really care. It really doesn't matter to me because they're not my primary bank. They're just a parking place for some dough. So it makes more dough. Okay. Now up next, a comment rather than a question. Hey guys, thanks again for answering my questions. This time I have a comment. You really hate Robinhood. And I understand why you do. They have made it really easy for people to day trade, mean trade, and make all kinds of bad decisions. However, I was an early adopter of Robinhood. Before I was on Robin and I had to spend $7 a, a trade to buy ETFs on another online brokerage. It was pretty expensive. I was just getting started and I was trying to put away a bit of money each month and $7 was a pretty big cut. Robinhood came along and changed all that and forced other brokerages to do the same. So I still use Robinhood to hold a few shares of VOO and for their high yield savings. They are paying 5% on cash kept in the brokerage account and it's FDIC insured. So as a platform for owning low cost ETFs, Robinhood has been great. Plenty of people have wasted plenty of money trading on more mainstream online brokerages like Charles Schwab or E-Trade. Don't blame the brokerage, blame the trader. I totally get where you're coming from, but I do have to still blame the platform because of the platform's pushing of the trading concept. You see, they really do try to get people to trade because the bulk of their money is made on that payment for order flow. So they need a lot of people moving a lot of trades all the time so that they get these little tiny slivers on every, every trade. Now, I would never pay $7 to trade an ETF in this environment. I don't pay that when I'm at Schwab. Um, I don't believe the, the ones we talk about don't. Um, but I'm not going to suggest that people use Robinhood because it is too easy to get sucked into their promotion of products that aren't good for clients. Uh, you don't see, you may see them handling it, but you don't see a Schwab or a Fidelity pushing crypto or pushing day trading like you do with Robinhood. So I can blame them and the traders, but sometimes I think the traders 
Well, many of them, I hate to say this about you, but you know it's true deep down. They're truly not smart enough at this juncture or wise enough, maybe, at this juncture to do what they need to do with their money. And they're too controlled by their emotions. Uh, but thank you. I appreciate it very much. And let's wrap things up right here. Hey, Don, this is Brian and Tom. Hope y'all are doing fantastic. Happy Turkey Day. I don't think you'll get this till after the holiday is over, but happy holidays whenever you get this. So my question is about my pie. Um, you can tell I'm an M1 user uh, because I use the word pie. But basically what that means to anyone who doesn't use M1, it's, it's an allocation. And I have one allocation across two different accounts. And by the way, those are the only two accounts available to me, which is a regular brokerage account and a Roth. My singular allocation in these two accounts, identical, is 50% AVUV, 30% AVDV, and 20% AVES. Uh, I know you're wondering why so much small. Well, you know, I'm 40 years old. I didn't get started until about three years ago. My plan is to stay all small for at least two more years. So I have like a five-year, you know, uh, ramp with just small and then I'll diversify out. Uh, probably after that, maybe I'll hold on a little longer on small. So is it okay to stay small? Basically the entire glide path, so to speak, in my brokerage. Why? Why do I want to do this? Well, when I start to go into more large and blend and, and bonds, I want to do that in my Roth because of the selling process. You know, uh, it's just smoother to sell within a Roth. And I want to keep small in the brokerage. And when it comes time to make distributions, I don't know, in 20, say I want to start making distributions in 25 years. I imagine my small portion will be huge because it'll be in the brokerage and I wouldn't have touched it. I imagine at that point, I can just start making distributions from that since it'll be overweight and that will rebalance my portfolio to what I what is more appropriate for an older guy. You know, when I'm 65 or 70, maybe I want to be 60, 40, you know, stocks and bonds. Is this a dumb plan to keep small international and small emerging value in a brokerage? I don't really know the tax implications of, you know, non-qualified, uh, I don't know what, what comes off of a international fund, but there's things that I don't, I don't know about, which is why I'm calling you guys way, way in advance, years in advance before it's a problem later. Uh, I know there's also things like foreign tax credits. I know I'm overthinking it. I just want to make sure I don't do the wrong thing way in advance. So please, any advice is welcome. And uh, yeah, Don, this is a sure, uh, what, do you, what do you call this, Mike? This is a, uh, a uh, it's not a, I can't even remember the name of it at this point. But it's a um, nicer mic. I think I bought it for like 150 bucks, or a little. You can you can buy it now for 150. They don't even make any. Ah, sure, PG42. That's what it is. It's not talking real money like your mic, but it's just geeky and fun. So I figured I'd mention that. Hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate everything you guys do. You guys are incredibly special. Hardly anyone's offering this advice daily, <laughs> so to speak. All the time, you guys are up here giving us the real truth. We really do appreciate it. Cheers and happy holidays. Wow, Brian, that was quite the conclusion to your uh, your your call. Call. I'm going to call them calls. They're calls. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And by the way, that is a really good USB mic. The Shure uh, PG42 was one of the better reviewed USB mics out there. So uh, good choice. 
You sounded great. There's a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot there in the call. Uh, are you too aggressive? Well, the only one who really can know that is you. However, let me just explain what he's got here. AVUV is the U.S. small cap value. AVDV is international small cap value. AVES is emerging markets value. So you've got value orientation, which we believe is good based on lots of research, lots of academic studies. Um, we are very much a believer in overweighting small in value. Now you've taken it to a whole new level. This is like, <laughs> this is what Paul Merriman would, would have been doing at 40 if he'd known what he does now. Um, it is a, an incredibly aggressive portfolio. Okay, not as aggressive as owning individual stocks, but for a an ETF portfolio, it's very, very aggressive. I'm going to guess, this is purely a guess, but I am going to guess that you could have a year or two even where a bad market could knock 70 plus percent of the value off of your portfolio. Now, here's hoping that happens soon as opposed to later so that you can keep investing at those lower values and, and that you don't get scared out. This is the problem with being aggressive. It feels good as long as times are good. It's when they get bad that it becomes potentially disastrous because there aren't very many of us who can comfortably maintain our position and continue to add to it, but more like maintain it even in an environment where the, the loss is 50% or greater. This has been studied. People are not comfortable. So I need you to absolutely understand that potential. Write it down somewhere. Put it, you know, have it uh, uh, needle pointed into a picture. I will not sell this portfolio, even if it drops 80%. Because if you can't say that, then it's too aggressive. Now, your other strategy, that makes perfect sense. Keeping the ETFs in your brokerage account does impart a tax advantage to you. Because the ETFs, if you don't sell them, they grow tax-deferred. All those capital gains just accrue tax-deferred. They don't get distributed like they would in a mutual fund. So, therefore, you're going to have all of this tax deferral in that account. So, you get another tax deferral. And you, as you liquidate that to add to your bonds, it makes perfect sense. That that It defers that gain. It pushes it down the road when you may be in a lower tax bracket. Um Again, it's right if it's right for you. But I don't know that too many people know how comfortable they're going to be in a really terrible market. Because you're 40 years old, and the last really terrible market happened when you were 25. And I'd be willing to bet you didn't have a lot of skin in the game at 25. In fact, you said you didn't. So you don't know. You don't know. What you don't know. I would be more cautious if this was my portfolio. I'd have some larger companies. But it's, hey, it's yours. Great funds, lots of diversification, but all it's very focused on the small end of things. And the small cap stocks can take beatings.
Thank you so much for all of the stuff in your call and for listening all the time. And I mean that for all of you. Thank you all for listening as much as you do, because you do. Uh, We can see just steady growth in the audience for the podcast. And I know that's coming from you because you're the ones who listen. And thanks for telling your friends and your family over the holidays. And, um, well, I guess I'm going to end this thing. See, I hate ending it. I just want to keep going. If you have questions, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on the contact form. Send them in. If you'd like to meet with one of our advisors at Appella Wealth, another weird thing we do is we let you use our people, who are all fiduciaries, for free for a little while. Now, if you want to use them full time, well, you need to hire them, us. But if you want a little help, you just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor and set up a meeting. Or call 800-386-3004. Oh, and I forgot to mention, because it's Friday when I'm doing this, that means that if you're listening on Friday, then tomorrow, Saturday, Tom and I do a live Q&A radio show in Seattle that you can participate in no matter where you are on the planet. All you have to do, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time until 5 p.m. Eastern, call 855 855- 935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Call between 3 and 5 Eastern, noon and 2 Pacific time. With your live questions, we can actually have a conversation. Thank you all again for being here. Please spread the word. Take great care of yourselves. I wish you the most wonderful holiday season you can possibly have, and I hope it doesn't make you too crazy because we want to spend more time with you Hanging out, talking real money. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.